Are you ready? Eight Shot of Wrestling. Episode That's right, folks. Welcome to episode 126 of A Shot of Wrestling. I'm your host, at Michael J. Putty. And joining me via Skype, the voice of BCW himself, Pete Rosado. Pete, how are you, my friend? I'm, I'm doing well, Putty. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be on A Shot of Wrestling. You know, one of these days I'm going to start to catalog the, the episode jumps between when I'm on and when I'm not on. Yeah, it's, it's weird not seeing your sexy face across from me. You know, you know, listen, uh, I, I decided to take a well-needed vacation. I got away from New York City for a little bit, away from the hustle and bustle, and uh, just trying to recharge my batteries and stuff. As you know, we just came off of a great show, um, so needed a bit of time to recharge, but I'll be back in the beginning of August, and, uh, you know, shortly enough, you'll have my sexy face back in the, uh, in the studio. I look forward to it. Let's get right into the show. Let's get into the wrestling replay. Extreme Rules, July 15th, 2018. In front of a crowd of 14,739, emanating from the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The results were as follows. B-Team defeated Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt to win the Raw Tag Team Championships in 8 minutes. Finn Balor defeated Baron Corbin in 8 minutes, 20 seconds. Carmella defeated Asuka to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship in 5 minutes, 25 seconds. Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Jeff Hardy to win the United States Championship in a whopping 6 seconds. Kevin Owens defeated Braun Strowman by quote-unquote escaping the cage in 8 minutes, 5 seconds. The Bludgeon Brothers defeated Team Hell No to retain the championships in 8 minutes, 20 seconds. Bobby Lashley defeated Roman Reigns in 14 minutes, 50 seconds. Alexa Bliss defeated Nia Jax in 7 minutes, 30 seconds. AJ Styles defeated Rusev to retain the championship in 15 minutes, 35 seconds. And in a 30-man Iron Man match, Dolph Ziggler defeated Seth Rollins 5-4 to four in overtime in 30 minutes, 10 seconds. That's the card top to bottom. Did you watch Extreme Rules? I did watch Extreme Rules, and you know, when I think about it, when you go through the times there, Mr. Putty, it almost feels like, you know, Extreme Rules should have been shorter than what it was, because those were some really short match times outside of maybe two or three matches. That's why I kind of got in the habit of reading the times. This show was four hours long, but you have an eight-minute match, five-minute match. It's like, it shouldn't be four hours when you just... What's all the filler then? Yeah, I mean, it's the entrances, it's the filler, it's a lot of the other stuff. I mean, you said the Carmella Oscar match was a little under six minutes, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, that felt like a good 15-minute segment mm-hmm. um, that went on, especially when you think of like what happened between Oscar and Ellsworth and stuff yeah. like that. It, just, it felt long, but it was, you know, Extreme Rules was, in my opinion, okay. Yeah, it was just okay. It wasn't great, it wasn't bad, it was just mediocre. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, in my opinion, uh, the main event was great. I mean, Seth Rollins and, and, and Dolph Ziggler, I mean, we, we've seen the praise being given to Seth Rollins, obviously having been uh, WWE champion and, and, and things like that. But Dolph Ziggler, I don't think, gets the respect that he deserves um, as an in-ring performer, as a character. I still remember the pop that Dolph Ziggler got the night he cashed in and became Never World Heavyweight yeah. Champion. Definitely. Um, 
you know, Dolph Ziggler doesn't get the respect he deserves. Um, that was a great match, that Iron Man match. You know, I missed the days of the 60-minute Iron Man match, but I yeah. understand why we can't do those anymore. Yeah, unfortunately. Lastly, Reigns, I, in my opinion, was a little better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, a lot better than I thought it would be, too. Honestly, in my opinion, the worst match of the night was Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. And that hurts me to say because I love both Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. Yeah, why is that? Was it the whole Ronda Rousey thing? It's not only that. It's just the believability in that match, Putty. It's just for you to for me to sit there and think that a woman of Nia Jax's size and of Nia Jax's strength uh, and ability can get beaten by a girl of of Alexa Bliss's size after dishing out the punishment that she dishes out mm-hmm. is just it, it's so unbelievable to me. And I kind of feel like and you and I have this had this conversation at the Crown Room the last time we were there about just Nia Jax in general and the corner that the WWE's kind of painted themselves in with this whole Ronda Rousey being involved in this Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss kind of thing. It's kind of like they're screwing over Nia and Alexa because their long game is essentially going to be Ronda Rousey. I get from a business sense why she's placed where she's placed, but I think she should have been placed with performers on the lower end of the card and really make her get her way up there and and let alexa and naya have their feud like let them do their thing let them get it out but don't you know shoehorn ronda into it because now you end up screwing both of these women because again you know the long game is ronda rousey's going to eventually be the wwe women's champion it feels kind of forced no too quick it is it is and that's the thing I, i think you know i get it from a business sense but here's my thing especially if the rumors are true that Ronda is going to be more of a special attraction. She's only going to wrestle on big shows. I don't need the WWE Raw Women's Champion becoming Brock Lesnar. No, not again. Please don't. And that to me, and by the way, quick segue, have you seen the clip from San Diego Comic-Con? No. There's a clip. uh, So the WWE had a panel at San Diego Comic-Con, a Matt Hardy, AJ Styles, Becky Lynch, uh, I believe Kurt Hawkins was on it as well, and some other people. And so somebody asked a question to the panel, and they the question was, if you could bring back anybody who is not in the WWE that used to be in the WWE, who would you bring back? Okay. And okay. and some uh, all of a sudden, like somebody in the crowd just yells out, Brock Lesnar, and nice. AJ Styles and Becky Lynch start <laughs> cracking up. Nice. Good response. <laughs> And it was, it was just a great little clip. But you don't need that happening to the Raw Women's Champion that shouldn't happen with any champion. Anybody who's going to become a champion or involved in a championship feud, in my opinion, should be on television wrestling every week. Remember, we, we watched it when we were kids. It's a 30-day rule. You have to defend the title within 30 days, no? Wasn't that yes. the Jack Tunney? Tell that somebody? was the rule. I miss Jack Tunney. Yes. Uh, Rest in peace. But – that was the rule. It was it was it was thirty days. If you couldn't defend it within thirty days, they stripped it from you. But you know the WWE becomes selective with enforcing its rules. It enforced it. If you remember in recent memory, Mister Putty, they enforced the rule when Naomi got injured before WrestleMania. Yeah, like two years ago. Not even. Right when Naomi got injured and they thought she wasn't going to be able to make it at WrestleMania, they took the title off of her because she wasn't going to be able to defend it within 30 days and they've done it to other people. But all of a sudden you have people like Alexa bliss who during one of her runs as champion didn't defend it every 30 days. Brock Lesnar, who definitely didn't defend it every 30ty days. Dean Ambrose back when he was in the shield, That's and right. he was the United States champion, yep. didn't defend it every 30 days. So they're very selective in enforcing the rules, but then you have wrestling fans like yourself and myself and other fans who understand what these rules were. Yep. And they're just like, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna enforce it at one person, you gotta enforce it across. But 
Otherwise, like I said, I, I would give Extreme Rules, in my opinion, I'd, I'd give the main event like a solid A, but I'd Absolutely. give the rest of the show, like on an entirety of a show, I'd give it more like a C+. Now, I took the Twitterverse out during the show, and the controversy erupted. Your thoughts on the crowd doing the Royal Rumble countdown? It pissed me off, don't get me wrong. I was At first, I thought it was just like some weird gimmick that they were doing once, and then they kept doing it over and over and over again. Yeah, thought, uh, it was very the first, annoying. The first like, couple times. Well, that's funny. That's interesting. That's, that's unique. That's never been done before. But then every minute, and then they took the yeah. clock away. They started doing it at odd intervals. Not even, yeah, it was, not even the time was counting down. They started counting down for no reason. It was weird. Um, and, and here's the thing. It could be that the WWE, I listen, it could be just a bunch of idiot fans. And we all know we've been in an arena of that size. We've been in these live events. We've been at these pay-per-views where a chant happens and people just get caught up in it. So people start doing it. It's like, it's like going to a baseball game and doing the wave. You may not want to do the wave, but when it gets to you, you're getting up and doing the wave. And so at first that could have been it, but I kind of feel like this was just fans hijacking the show. But the question needs to be asked, are they hijacking the show because they're bored or are they hijacking the show because they want to get themselves over in spite of the show? Because in my opinion, that was a great main event. It wasn't Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley in the main event. If that had been the case, I can understand you getting frustrated and getting upset. It wasn't Alexa and Nia and the shoehorn Ronda Rousey in the main event. I can understand you getting upset. That was a very good match in the main event and the crowd ruined it. And there was actually a tweet that I saw. I think it was a couple of days ago or right after Extreme Rules where someone said that that could have actually had a negative effect on for the WWE fans because it kind of shows Vince McMahon that Roman Reigns isn't the problem. It's the fans. Yeah, I read that too, yes. That's, it makes a lot of sense. When you do stupid stuff like that, it kind of gives you know management and all these guys who you think aren't listening to the crowd, but they will listen to the crowd. They're like, oh, well, look, they're bored by Seth Rollins and, and, uh, and, and Dolph Ziggler in the main event. They're so bored. They're counting down with the countdown clock. How could you be it bored can have that a negative effect, but it's, it was ridiculous for that to be done. I hated it, and I hope it never happens again. I have a feeling it's going to happen, though, next time. I, it'll, be, it'll be really terrible. I mean, I mean these are the it. kind of fans that ruin it. I mean, when you do get something as special as that kind of an Iron Man match, you know, again, it wasn't Reigns. It wasn't what we don't want in those main events. It was a really good main event, and you screw it up like that. You screw it up for everybody. And you, read that? And you saw Rollins and Ziggler were upset in the ring. I don't blame them. That would be too. Yeah, I mean, these guys are putting their, I mean, they're in there for a half an hour putting their bodies on the line. You know, we've seen matches that have gone five, six, seven minutes and someone get hurt, God forbid. They're out there because they need to get your attention, and that's their job. And they're doing a great job of it, by the way. I mean, the crowd the crowd hijacked it, and it was, it was terrible. I feel bad for Ziggler and Rollins because I felt they put on the best match of the night, and the crowd, I don't want to say all of the crowd wasn't into it, but the crowd that screwed it up. You know, they, they, if they never come to another WWE show yeah. in, in the rest of my life, I'll be happy. What's well, uh, Extreme Rules in a nutshell? Let's move on to the main event this past weekend, Red, White, and Bruised. You were at ringside. Your thoughts on how the night went? Uh, I thought it was a really great night. I mean, uh, we, we, it, was a, it was a really big night for BCW, man. I mean, we moved into a new venue. Beautiful new venue, a lot of space, a lot of uh, a lot of great things to it. Uh, new setup, if you saw the new entryway and things like that. Yeah. So a lot of big new things were happening there. Uh, commentary finally down by the ring. I like that, yeah. It was it was a great night. Uh, we had some great uh, great showings in uh, on the show. The opening match, Joey Ace versus Chris Banks. I mean, if you were watching social media and these guys going at each other, those guys opened the show and gave one hell of a match. Great way to start the show. Uh, Ugly Ducklings and and East Coast Syndicate. I will say the East Coast Syndicate surprised me. 
these are two young kids in the New York area, don't have a lot of time under their belt, and came out and really gave the Ducklings a good fight. Ducklings came out victorious, but like I said, the East Coast Syndicate, they opened my eyes. I will say I didn't expect for that match to be as good as it was. I didn't expect East Coast Syndicate to show me as much as they did. Uh, but I think, you know, that's one of the pleasant surprises of this business, you know. We asked a bunch of people during intermission what the match of the night was so far, and everyone picked Ugly Ducklings versus East Coast Syndicate. Very interesting, especially because the match right before intermission was probably, in my opinion, one of the best monster matches BCW has put on. Oh, man, that was, what a great match. Oh, man. You know, Jeff Cannonball... Vince Steele, Logan Black, and Billy Brash. And let me tell you something. If you didn't know who Billy Brash was before this monster match, I guarantee you knew who he was after it. I'm in that boat. I had never heard of his name before until that night. And like, wow. And, and let me tell you something. And, and Mr. Putty, this is a, let's, let's pull the curtain back on independent wrestling for a little bit, right? Okay. Billy Brash has been at a BCW show before. Billy okay. Brash came to the Queen's Elks Lodge as a guest of the Ugly Ducklings. And we all know the Ugly Ducklings come up from North Carolina every single time we have a BCW show. And they brought Billy Brash and another young gentleman by the name of uh, Malachi Matthews, the Rat Slayer. They came up to New York with the Ugly Ducklings. And their goal in coming up was to watch the show, was to help out. Mr. Billy Brash and Mr. Malachi Matthews helped put up chairs. They helped put the ring together that night. They networked. They met myself. They met Mr. Anthony Cole, the owner and CEO of PCW. Of and they said, hey, if you need us tonight, if anything happens, if you need us, we have our gear. We're ready to wrestle if you need us. And unfortunately, no, well, thankfully, I would say, nothing happened that night where we needed any substitute wrestlers. Mm -hmm. But they met with us. They emailed us afterwards. They sent us their material. They sent us all their stuff. And we said, you know what? We'll find somehow, some way, sometime down the road, we'll give these guys a shot. And it just so happened that this monster match, as it was coming to fruition, I, I remember saying to myself, you know, Billy Brash would be great for this. Went to the management, management approved it, and Billy Brash ends up in this match. And when you think of independent wrestling, this is something I, I, I love. You know, there's, some, there's an old saying in independent wrestling, do the drives. There are people in independent wrestling that travel. A lot of these guys that get booked and they travel. And if they're driving, try everything you can to get in a car. Try everything you can, put in for gas, get in a car, bring your gear, and go travel with no promises. You know, Billy Brash and Malachi Matthews, when they came to BCW, there were no promises that they were going to wrestle. So they left, North, they left North Carolina to come all the way up to New York, you know, when they probably could have gotten booked for some ragtag indie or some other indie show here in, in North Carolina. But they came up because they wanted to expand their horizons. And Billy Brash has now won a monster match at BCW and will be moving on to a King of the Monsters match at BCW. So it's very interesting when you think about that. These young kids in independent wrestling, that's what you want to do. That's how you get those those opportunities. Interesting. You know, and, and Billy Brash showed out. I mean, he really had a great match. Logan Black, really great uh, return to BCW in this monster match. Probably the greatest moment of the night I heard you laughing was when Jeff Cannonball used Green Man oh, as man. a weapon. Highlight of my career. Um, Leo, highlight <laughs> of my life. See the guy, because I just thought he was going to speak on commentary for some reason. But no, he just grabbed Green Man by the neck and picked him up like a rag doll. Green Man ain't, Green Man ain't a small guy. Man, that was great. Oh, man, that was great. Body slammed him right onto Vince Steele. Oh, man, fantastic. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I will say, you know, uh, these gentlemen, they used, uh, they had some chairs. They mm. used some trash cans. Yeah. You know, they kind of went, they kind of went all out. And the announcement was made at the show 
and we'll get into a little bit more detail here. So the monster matches we've we've had we've had three now, not counting the one that got abbreviated and stopped. Uh, we've had three. The first monster match way back in the day before Shadow Wrestling became affiliated with PCW was won by actually Mr. Mike Orlando. The second monster match was won by the Boricua Badass, or the Bayonne Badass, I should say, Dan Moff. This third monster match has been won by Billy Brash. There will be one more monster match at BCW, more than likely taking place in October. The four winners of the monster match will then face off in November at the last BCW event of the year. They will face off in November in a match called the King of the Monsters match. And I can tell you that this will be an annual event every year. So this is going to be a very interesting concept moving forward, you know, Mr. Putty. Uh, and it's going to be a very big thing for the fans to get involved in. You know, what monsters do you want to see at BCW moving forward? Does the winner get anything or just uh, the pride and privilege of being the king of the monsters? I can tell you right now that there have been talks of a trophy, okay. possibly uh, something uh, uh, even more tangible, uh, probably a title shot uh, okay. at BCW. Uh, and so you know, a lot of those things are being finalized and worked out with the management team. Who's going to be in the fourth monster match is going to be a big question. Can I request that every monster's match use Green Man as a prop? <laughs> Uh, you know what? If I was personally in the Monsters match, I would make sure it gets done in every match. But you know what? I am not going to tell you that you cannot bring that up to maybe one of the Monsters. If you're willing to walk up to them, Mr. Putty, and bring it up to them, I'm sure they wouldn't mind it. Green Man was used as a prop during that match because he was at ringside. Once again, he was on commentary. It's like the third time he's been on commentary. Second time for a full show. First time in a three-man booth. How do you do? Did very well. I mean, uh, I will say this. Green Man grew a lot from that last show that him and I did uh, by ourselves to this show. I think uh, three-man booth at BCW sounds really, really good. I think it may be something we utilize uh, much more often moving forward. Uh, so don't be surprised if Green Man gets pulled to commentary a couple more times. And who knows, Mr. Putty, maybe one of these days yeah. you and him switch places and he'll host a shot of wrestling and you come to commentary. But, you know, Green Man did so much better uh, in, in really getting all the action down. And I think Green Man is finally finding his niche at the commentary table. And, you know, I will say I, I was very enjoyable working with him on this show, and I look forward to doing it again. Awesome. If you want to hear about it, make sure you check it out on Fight TV. Do you know what oh, yeah. Now, what did you think of that, ma- of that main event between Sean Carr and Azriel for oh, the BCW World Heavyweight Championship? That was, a, that was fantastic. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Out the bottom. Great match. So now moving forward, you know, because we're going to abbreviate this a bit, but moving forward in September, when we return to the Bronx, New York, and I'll get to that in a second, we have a huge match, a huge four-on-four match. The war will finally come to an end between Federated and the PCA, and that war broke down in a major way at the last show. Yeah, I want to ask you about this. Like, this four-on-four is an elimination match? It will be an elimination match. So it will be four, whoever Federated wants as their four members, whoever the PCA chooses as their four members. It'll be a four-on-four elimination match, kind of like for the average WWE fan Survivor Series type match. But, you know, we got we got to worry about trademark infringement. Yeah. So, you know, at a four-on-four elimination match between PCA and Federated and the last team with the last person standing will win that match. Loser leaves town, correct? Whoever loses is gone? Well, the way that it's being spoken about is it's going to be a little bit 
a little bit more nuanced than that. Uh, from what I've been hearing from what the talks that management has been having, right now the stipulation that they're working on is the losing team will only be allowed to have one member of their stable on any given show. Okay. A little, you know, a little more fair. Right. So, you know, Federated wins. Hey, Federated gets to stay. PCA. Now, I will say this. The champion will be exempt from this. So if Federated had a had somebody who was the champion or as it is currently constituted, PCA's uh, Azriel is the world heavyweight champion, they would not be counted towards the one-person quota. Interesting. But if the PCA wins, I mean, Federated can only have one member of Team Federated on the roster on any given show. So once again, that just cemented my loyalty to Federated, because how can you have a BCW show without both Mike Orlando and Ali Rex? Well, listen, it, it may just come down to right now, Mike Orlando may not be back until November. So right now, if Federated loses, I mean, they're going to have to choose between Brute Vance Like, Mick Drake, Ali Rex, Ray Fury. Who's going to be the representative on a BCW show if they only have one person to choose from? By the way, I did offer my services, so I'm waiting for the phone call. I'm training, running a little, run, run a little more, doing a couple more push-ups. You know, I'm ready for the, I'm ready for the phone call. Not for nothing. Well, if you know, hey, listen, Federated does need four people yeah. right now. I don't know, Mister Putty, if you want to be in the ring with guys like Bison. <laughs> uh, Touche. That's right. I, I forgot about that part. Yeah, Alvin Alvarez. You know, so uh, they, they, they they might be listen, and I don't know if you saw Bison's training montage. I did. Yeah, that's good. Probably one of the greatest training montages I've seen in a long time. Yeah. That war's gonna that war is gonna come to an end one way or another in September. And also a big rematch happening in September when Joey Ace and Ace Andrews meet once again in the middle of the ring. It is Ace versus Ace part two. I cannot wait for this. I'm all I'm all in on this match. Can't wait. You know, Joey Ace won the first one. You know, it, will Ace Andrews be able to live up, you know, to everything he's been saying and, and, and get a get a get a win in this second matchup? Or will Joey Ace prove without a shadow of a doubt that Ace Andrews is all talk and no action? It's going to be very interesting. Who will Azriel defend the World Heavyweight Championship against come in, uh, coming in September? But I got to ask you, Putty, before we move on from what the great show that was Red, White and Bruised, what did you think of the new venue? I mean, if you listen to the show, it's in the fucking Bronx. It's a fucking bitch to get to because it's in the Bronx. I got lost a couple of times. The Uber driver sucked. Traffic was a bitch. Um, but the venue itself was amazing. Bigger, a little more cooler, I could say, because that Elks Lodge could, could heat up. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah. And uh, I, think, I think it was better suited for uh, what you guys presented that night, and it worked out well. Well, yeah, you know, and it's very interesting. So, um, you know, first off, I'm going to, me and you are going to fight the next time I see you because the Bronx is my home borough. I live there. Yeah, which means you don't have to commute to the Bronx. Like, you live there. That's fine. That's one thing. But going to the Bronx, <laughs> you know, it's it's a little. It's it's a great venue. Beautiful space. It's a lot bigger in terms of just length and width and height. Parking you know, lot. Think about it. it oh, beautiful yeah. parking lot. Beautiful <laughs> parking lot. Access to the building is air conditioned, and the concession stand. Those ladies running the concession stand. They were running a great thing back there. I heard the heard the food was pretty good. Oh, yeah, man. You know, so it's, it's new beginnings for BCW in a sense, but, you know, keep on moving forward. And the next show, September the 7th, Friday, September 7th, we are actually running one night before Shine 53. Shine 53 will be in Queens at Laboom on September the 8th. We will be running in the Bronx on Friday, September the 7th. 
And here's what I can say. Maybe, who knows, like last time, a couple of the great ladies from Shine Wrestling may just show up at BCW. No, no, I have to be there. You know, you know, we've been cultivating this great relationship with Shine Wrestling. And uh, for those of you who, who were there at the last time, Mercedes Martinez, who just got announced to be part of 2018 May Young Classic and Santana Garrett, were both at the BCW show one night before performing at Shine 51. And so the question becomes, who will show up at BCW the night before Shine 53? Oh, please be Santana Garrett again. Please be Santana Garrett again. Oh. <laughs> I uh, would not be disappointed if that happened. Well, who knows? You know, management's working on some things. But anyway, moving on. Green Man has an interview for us this week. You know, he's on vacation as well. He left me a present, an interview, before he went away. And he fought hard for this interview. If I could talk about all the times he's talked about landing this interview, how hard he's tried to land it. And uh, he took a cue from his hero, his idol, John Cena. He never gave up. So now if I can paraphrase the legendary Beach Boys, Bermuda, Bahama, Green Man has Masada. Green Man, take it away. Welcome. Welcome to another exciting interview here on the Shot of Wrestling podcast. Now, I had to take a few shots just to be able to dial the number to who we have with us tonight. Because, like, you may have listened to the show before. We've crossed paths, and I'm fucking terrified of this man. We've had shots mm-hmm. together, and it does not mean we're friends. It does not mean he likes me, or, or but it totally means that I'm legit terrified to even mention and say that tonight... Here on A Shot of Wrestling, we are privileged and lucky to have the ultra-violent beast, Masada. Masada. Hey, how's it going, everybody? What's up, man? (laughs) Not much, man. (laughs) Again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me. But you you have a long history in the professional business. I mean, you've wrestled pretty much everywhere, from WWE to TNA, Ring of Honor, CZW, and you won uh, Tournament of Dev back-to-back 2011 and 2012. Right, and also won the one in Germany as well. Yeah. That's three Tournament of Dev and Gorefest. What does it take to put your body through to win a tournament like that or mentally to, to prepare yourself for some of the shit that goes down in some, some of the things like that. The main thing is just don't think about it. <laughs> I never went into like thinking about anything, just go in there and do it. Mind over matter. But right. mean, that's always been my mindset. Mm-hmm. Do you plan any of, of your spots? So you talk with the boys in the back and like, all right, this is what, what I have planned to really make an impact. Or do you just go in there and uh, feel it out? Mostly, nah, just fill it out you know, for the majority. Mm-hmm. You never know how the fans are going to respond, and I just listen to them the whole time. Okay. Yeah, and that must be one of the secrets to success that you know you go out there and you just kind of feel it out instead of planning something that can totally just bomb, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that's the art form. I mean, that's the art form of wrestling. It's the way it's supposed to be. Go out there and do it in the ring, you know? Yeah. Well, no pre-planning in the back. Maybe have a few guidelines, but other than that, just go out there and do it. Well, speaking of the the art of professional wrestling, when we met up at Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, it was a completely new right. concept. It was something completely different. Right. What did you think about the concept? What did you and and how how did you think your match went out? 
I think the concept's good. The thing is, that's nothing new. You know, like if anybody has followed pro wrestling for the longest time, Japan's been doing that for, gosh, several years with pancreas and rings and UFO, those type of uh, shoot fighting promotions. I thought it was cool. It's something refreshing to bring something back from the old school. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as my match went, it's like I liked it. You know what I mean? I wish I would have done a little bit more. You know what I mean? Because going in there, I didn't really know what to expect. I've done fights like that before like in japan but then it's like you know i've never been in the ring with martin stone so just went balls to the wall but i would have kept shooting in on him he kept countering so it is what it is i was the one that was mostly the progressor if you watch that match or that fight yeah, yeah and whoever in commentary did the commentary didn't kiss my ass oh. <laughs> all right that's good to know i mean we've only seen it live we haven't gone back to the tapes but now you you right. piqued our interest there so with your relationship now with GCW, you went and did a GCW show out in Mania Weekend. Could we right. say that you're a GCW guy instead of a CZW guy? Yeah, I mean, that's safe to say. It's even when I left CZW or quit before, like Game Changers, the one that brought me back to the Northeast with mm-hmm. uh, NGI1. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they've always been you know, done right by me. You know, I like to be out there more more often than you know I am now, yeah. for sure, but... It is what it is. What yeah, it, I definitely represent the compound and game changer for sure. Word. What is your current relationship with ZZW? I have none. What was the fallout? Fill us in for those who don't know. Well, the fallout was like, okay, so I've helped out ZZW with a lot of things. Like Japan, the relationship with Europe, getting those three companies with Big Japan, WXW and CZW to build that relationship. Even trying to get CZW into Mexico with Chalanga Mask. Uh, helped a lot of guys make money, helped a lot of guys get their jobs, get their spots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for whatever reason, I get put on the back burner and get treated like secondhand, like nothing. Like, I don't even matter. Right. So, anyway, living in Texas, you know, I hear the whole BS, they can't afford to fly me up. But meanwhile, they're flying all of Sammy's crew in. So it's like, okay, you're flying in Shane Strickland, you're fighting in, you know, guys from Ohio, from Florida, Leo Rush, you know, all these guys are Sammy's boys, this little clique. Yeah. Then, you know, they're just going to put me on the back burner and then tell me I need to live in New York or live in the Northeast just to get booked. So, I mean, I did that and there's no work out there. There's no consistent work. Right. So just pretty much said the hell with this. They weren't pushing me. They're just using me as a stepping stone to get these guys over and you see how the product's now, it's totally tanking and it shits the bed. So, yeah. That's CZW for you, though. That's DJ. Like, he lets people use the company as a stepping stone, and then they give nothing back, and then they go on to bigger and better things, and he's stuck with shit. The guys that are diehard loyals get treated like crap. Yeah. And why I- that is, that mentality, I couldn't tell you, but helping that company out, I lost my spot, my job in Japan, lost my oh, job wow. in Europe. So, that's why you don't see me go to those countries anymore because mm-hmm. of that asshole. Interesting. And and, I mean, we've heard it from the fans. Definitely the CZW product is changing. Uh, Some believe maybe it's for the better. Some, you know, diehard CZW fans uh, believe it's not for the better. Uh, How do you feel? I mean, honestly, it's just that you can see it. It's just a cheap product. Like, it's cheaper talent. Um, It's watered down. It's, It's not a good product altogether. Before, it was trying to be too much like an NXT where everybody is trying to do that. They're yeah. all trying to be like the new NXT. And it's like, I don't get it. That's not what Combat Zone Wrestling is supposed to be about. 
No, absolutely you know, not. You see the same thing what they did with like when WWE brought back ECW, they made it a watered down version of it. And mm-hmm. It's not even close to what it originally was, and that just turns to dog shit. Yeah. No, I, I mean as a fan, you know, I'm here in Queens, New York, hearing about the right. promotions in Jersey, and mm-hmm. CZW definitely caught my my interest, and, and largely because of the tournament of death um, tournaments right. that you participated in for its hardcore gory action. Still haven't made it out there yet. Was planning out to make it out here, out there this year. But you know, is it worth it now? Because I'm like, you know, it, it's a little bit different. Um, do I want to go, or do I want to see the competition that is really holding true to that fan base, which is GCW? Mm-hmm. But uh, no, we digress. We digress for a little bit. Uh, let's go back into your history. I mean, you were trained by WWE Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels who is not a deathmatch fighter by any means. And in your 16-year career, where did things start switching around for you where you were becoming to be more known for that style of wrestling? Well, actually, it's been 19 years. Oh. Well, that, that's <laughs> where that plus is for, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Plus, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, originally, I actually trained with... Uh, my first trainer was Steve Obrey, who was trained by Buzz Sawyer. When I first broke in, it was in 99. So hardcore wrestling was like pretty much on the popularity right there. And so I was already doing like hardcore matches and death matches when I first started. And obviously being taught how to wrestle, you know, it's like the promoter wanted you to do a hardcore match. You went and did it. And then training with uh, the TWA, learn how to work, learn how to wrestle, wrestle. (laughs) Sounds bad. but I mean, basically I learned from both guys. As far as the style, it was always there. Like that's what drew my interest and in, back into wrestling from being a kid. When seeing like Bruiser Brody, Abdul the Butcher, and the Bob Wire matches, all the crazy shenanigans. I mean, that's what sparked my interest back into it. So, at, then, look, as a kid, was that you know your idols, the people that you looked up to in the business? Yeah, definitely. Like you know, like Terry Funk, Sabu. There's just so many to list off. You know, I give credit to everybody that you know I like and blood and guts they put into the business you know it needs to be respected mm-hmm. but to answer your question why i went full force into like deathmatch wrestling is because politics and the american wrestling scene like it's politics you get jobs in like impact or tna wwe keeping a job ring of honor it's just too many politics too many knives in the back and it's like well nobody's doing the deathmatch route so that's where i'm right. going to go and sell at because otherwise i'm just going to quit doing this because there's no point <laughs> uh, and you I also did. became Ring of Honor, did trials with WWE, TNA, and was working ROH, and then just left and went to Japan and never looked back. And you became known um, for the those those wooden spears, spears, yeah, yeah, the, they that everybody steals now. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen that. Do you get credit? Yeah, I hate that. That really pisses okay. me the fuck off. Does anybody ever <laughs> give you credit for it? Like the originator no. of it? Nope, I sure don't. <laughs> Where did it start? Uh, that started in Tokyo, actually. Uh, there was a comedian, like, say it was, I was a buddy of mine. He's my t-shirt designer on Japan. And okay. he had a buddy of his that was uh, a comedian. And for whatever reason, he was trying to, like, pop us. And he sort of stick a toothpick in his head and light him on fire. And I was like, oh, that's a cool mm. visual. And I would always see these little skewers at the, the 100 yen shop. So I was like, I wonder if those will stick. <laughs> just bought a package and then brought them into a match. And sure enough, they worked. So oh, shit. And that ever since. <laughs> That's crazy that your mind is just like you're, you're walking down 
you know, what is normal to anybody to be like, oh, sweet, you can make some shish kebabs with. Nah, these would be cool to poke on someone's head. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, different visual, you know. Yeah. Everybody's always trying to raise the bar, but don't have to raise the bar. Brought too much stuff into the deathmatch game, get no credit for it. But what what are some of the other is. things that you believe that you contributed to that to that side of the business? Um, let's see, guts to plate, steel wire brushes, fender mm. blocks, um, mascaras, obviously. There's some other ones. I have to think about it. <laughs> Does it matter uh, your opponent who's in the ring on how hard you go into a match? Is like is it different from someone that you may like or respect, or versus someone that you just really hate their guts? Uh, I just go in hard every time. Yeah, you know, every time I try to go in as hard as I can. I mean, you have been known to be a few of uh, people we've interviewed's toughest competition. One, Sammy Guevara. Who, who said, yeah, holy shit, you're no fucking joke. Uh, so I was mm-hmm. just curious to see if, you know, it mattered to you who was on the other side. No, it doesn't, not really. Okay. I mean, I'll change my style up to whatever they're doing. You know, it's one of the things, like, if you watch my matches, like, my matches are always different. Mm-hmm. I don't do the same repetitive sequence of moves. It's always different. I just go off of what they want to try to bring to me or take to me or, you know, come at me with and then just counter it. So... If somebody is more of a technical-based wrestler, then I'll go technical with them. If they're a brawler, I'll brawl with them. Right. If they're a flyer, I'll fly with them. If you see me wrestling our Fox uh, first time, I'm in there flying with them. So it just depends, you know. But I always go hard, always. It's crazy because I think the first time that I personally saw you wrestle was at a, a BCW show in the Elks Lodge. And, you know, I'm ex- you know, I hear of Masada and I hear about the mystique that you bring behind you. And I'm like, holy shit, I need to buy a ticket to get into that venue because this is, shit's going to go crazy. And when I got there, shit did go crazy, but it was a different style. It, it was like a technical wrestler. And I'm like, who knew Masada could go like that? You know, many people forget that, you know, you, you are a very versatile person when it, when it comes to you getting in the ring. Yeah, a lot of people forget that. But another thing is, too, this is blame on the promoters. They don't, they don't promote that. They don't plug that out there. Like, if you go and like you do a search with my name on YouTube, mm-hmm. you, all you're going to see is just blood and guts matches. You're never going to see any of my technical matches or any, like, super strong style stiff matches. You might find a, a handful of them, but you won't see, like, the work I've done against Sammy Callahan or A.R. Fox or Drew Gulak or Kevin Steen. Those are all bot matches. You have to pay to watch them. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't do me any justice because everybody else, their matches are online and they're getting jobs. You yeah. know, that's what's getting them to Ring of Honor full-time or Impact or WWE. Which is another thing that's interesting because when I was in the Northeast, I don't know if anybody noticed this, but everybody that was going to get signed with WWE always got booked against me. And that wasn't me politicking even to get matches with these guys. That's just like the stepping stone of like, if they could hang with me, then they got signed. Right. Like, which is crazy. So what do you think is holding you back from getting signed? Uh, <laughs> not kissing anybody's ass, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. Not being a political, uh, it's not being politically correct and not yeah. kissing people's asses and sucking up to people. I mean, hell, my friends, my good friends could even tell you that. Like, whenever I see him, I see him or get a hold of him. It's, mm-hmm. Once in a blue moon, I can't constantly be calling somebody and blowing smoke up their ass. Yeah. Me. yeah. You know, I got too many things to do in my personal real life. Yeah. You know? But some guys can do it. I can't do it. You know, and I'm not on social media constantly trying to plug my shit. It is totally a different business. And I feel the more that we talk 
to wrestlers, promoters, the more we're starting to see what business is going on in the big corporate world of WWE. And, and you know, a lot of the things that they look into may not be some of the things, obviously it may not be the things that the fans want to see, but it, but they are right. looking for, you know, marketability, someone who, it, mm. who they don't have to worry about in the locker room. Uh, you know, right. it's kind of feels like, like they're just re- reproducing, like they want clones of someone who's just willing to follow their vision and do whatever the fuck they right. say, you know? Well, yeah. And that's, that's a hundred percent dead accurate. As soon as somebody comes in, they probably break you down, reprogram, retrain you. And it's like, you're mm-hmm. married to that company. So whatever yeah. real life you thought you had, your wife, your kids, your family life, it don't mean shit to them. It's about putting you on TV and, you know, they can cut your legs underneath you if they want. I don't want to, I personally don't want to be in that type of environment where I have to like listen to somebody. It's like, I'll take your advice, but you ain't going to treat me like shit. Cause I will say something to you. Like you can fuck off, you know? Yeah. And you'll see that like that happens in some like smaller companies. Like ROH when it first started was a lot like that. Mm. Like with Gabe, Gabe would try to cut people down. It's like, you know what? Who the fuck are you? But, yeah. So, but, I mean, that's my attitude, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when you think I die. But yet, <laughs> when you think about it, uh, about the visionaries and the people who revolutionized the business are those who stood up for themselves, who went a little AWOL. Like, if you think about the Attitude Era, it was all about people who, you know, were out there trying to, to fight for their jobs and sometimes tell people to fuck off. And people, that's what made money. Oh, well, yeah. And the whole Attitude Era, that's all based out of ECW, you know? Yeah. That's Paul Heyman, baby. And, Case in point, like all those guys that either work for, you know, either work for WWF or work for WCW, they have bitter taste in their mouth and, you know, a lot of spite. Mm-hmm. When you have a spite, you're more motivated to go out there and go balls to the wall. If somebody tells you you can't do it, then go fucking do it. You know, and that's how it is. You have a very interesting outlook on what professional wrestling is, obviously. Do you ever see yourself being a trainer or a mentor to uh, the new kids, the new crop of talent? Well, well, it's funny you say that because I'll bring that up because I've actually have done training. There's a school here, uh, hybrid wrestling school. Uh, is it something I want to do full time? Probably not, but you know, something I do enjoy doing. But like I said, hybrid school of wrestling is here. Them training with CZW's academy. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I was in you know, Big Japan, like I would train some of the young boys there, just teaching them American style wrestling. Though. Interesting. Well. Let's move on a little bit. Let's move on into, um, you know, your aesthetic, who you are, your gear. Um, it's pretty important to you, and it's obviously very significant. We've had a talk about it. You know, you have a few mm-hmm. different patches. There, there. Uh, right. While many people wear their hearts on the sleeve, you wear it on your trunks. Who are those right. badges that you represent? Okay, well, one is Art of Wrestling, which is, uh, you know, Facebook page. They constantly plug like hardcore wrestling and deathmatch wrestling, so definitely rep them. Um, Exiled Artifacts, that's actually my own company. It's uh, mm-hmm. custom artwork. And then Hybrid School of Wrestling, which I just mentioned them. There's two patches of them on there. Then myself, Masada, and then uh, the Texas flag is from the state of Texas. Yeah. So it's pretty soon, like my new gear is going to have totally different patches on it. But uh, I also have a different flag. I have Mexico on there. That's mostly where I'm working now, and I actually really enjoy Lucha Libre and everybody there are true professionals. Yeah, and I'm truly seeing that other side of the hemisphere through through you, through your social media, because, you know, like, mm-hmm. for example, the Crash 
I wouldn't have heard it much about it here on the East because it doesn't promote much, but you know, there are, there's so much good talent out there and, and I'm starting to feel like there's a lot more talented people out in the Texas scene in, in the Tijuana area who are putting out better matches than our East coast guys. Right. Yeah, definitely. And same thing even with the West Coast. There's a lot of good uh, California talent. A lot of guys that work for PCW or mm-hmm. come from that uh, that division. What, what um, do you think is the difference? What do you think is the edge that now the West Coast has over the East Coast? I don't know. I mean, for the longest time, I always thought the West Coast was just lackluster. Right. You know, it's just, it, I agree. It, it has a weird, it has a different vibe to it. You know, I'm not from Cali. I like California. But uh, I don't know. It just seemed like a lot of guys were just super green, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No pun intended, green man, but like, super <laughs> green. <laughs> like, yeah. And they were putting them on TV, so it's not really something enjoyable to watch, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just, it's just stepped up, you know. Um, and that's not fair to say everybody, not all of them, but a lot, majority of them. You know, it seems like the Northeast is dropping down. It's oversaturated. A lot of guys are getting picked up by Vince. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no real true veterans in the game anymore, especially like not in the Northeast. There's a handful of them, but they're not really full, fully into it. Yeah, like Texas, there's several veterans that still stick around and you know pave the way, show the way. Uh, Who are those veterans right now? Like anything that goes down in Mexico, uh-huh. Mexico, you still have old school veterans that have been wrestling for 40, 50 years are still involved in it. So everybody's coming up from that. They have mentors. And senpais with the Japanese like teachers are shown the way, and you can't hang, you get ran off, and that's the way it's supposed to be. It's the way it should still be in the business now in the United States, because a lot of these guys wouldn't be in the ring if this was say 20, 25, 30 years ago, or even before that, you know, further back. And I've noticed a lot with the American talent, the guys that are coming up, they have no respect for anybody that's been busting their ass, making a living at this. Yeah, and that's. That's where I get pissed off, where it's like, all right, you little fucker. You know what I mean? I didn't live in Japan eight years doing blood and guts wrestling so you could rip off my spot and put it on fucking TV. Right. That's not cool, because I sacrificed that being away from my family and friends and spent really any time in the United States. Got this over. This is my thing. This is my style. And then here you are still, and just try to get this stuff over. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. People don't see it that way. Well, you were speaking of some of the veterans. Who are those veterans that you feel the fans need to pay respect to and keep an eye on still contributing to the independent scene? Oh, Homicide in the Northeast, he's the main one. Homicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, Mikey Whiplash, or Whiprack in New York. You have Just Incredible, PJ. Um, there's a few guys that still stick around. Jerry Lynn is one of the main ones. Mm-hmm. And then you come down to Texas, you have Gutsy Wolf, you have Ken Johnson, uh, you know, Sean Michaels Kaylee pops his head in there. Mm-hmm. Rudy Boy Gonzalez. There's a few. Gotcha. Now, about a year ago, uh, obviously we follow you on social media. There, there was a little problem going on with you and your merchandise being in pro wrestling tees. Um, has that been resolved? Because uh, your product is still there. Wasn't with pro wrestling tees. I've never put anything up with pro wrestling tees. I was with a company called Bottom Line. Oh, and Bottom the problem Line. Is I have with, with them. It's like basically being on the contract for like a year, year and a half, close to two years, and not receiving a paycheck. And then even when I did get paid, it's like this is way low than what it should be. Mm. You know, and that's where it's harder to even trust anybody because original deal is supposed to be 
a 25-75 split uh, online sales and then 75-25 split at shows. Well, if you're at wrestling events that are in the Northeast and I'm not there and you're selling my merch, I don't know what the fuck's being sold. Right. And then I know when I sell my merchandise, like at an event, like say, like for example, like TOD, I'll go home with close to like two grand to 2,500 at least. Mm-hmm. So after a year to two years, my check is only like 255 bucks. That makes Shit. no fucking sense. And I get tagged in on social media every time a shirt sold, you know, every time. Right. You so know, you get I to kind of see them. and control yeah. the controllables and say, hey, well, that's one, that's two, that's three, that's ten. Right. You know, where's, right. where does it make sense? Gotcha. But they're still selling your shit? Yes. Oh, wow. Still are. Okay. I see. I thought, <laughs> I, fact, you know, I just saw them at WrestleCon and it's like. Hey, what's up, man? Like, you owe me money. <laughs> I'll PayPal you. Okay, now it's in the PayPal. It's like, I've got maybe a week or so. I yeah. don't know what the holdup is. Man. And then it's just ridiculous where it's like, hey, if I want shirts, you're trying to sell them at full price to me. Why the fuck do I have to buy my shit? Because I paid for all the artwork on them, and you didn't yeah. design them. So that was that whole deal with that. And that's where Def Ref uh, came about. You know, Def Ref's trying to do, you know, more of the marketing and selling merchandise and actually do really cool vignettes of all the guys, all the talent out here. Yeah. I, well, yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because I think one of the coolest designs is the one that is a deaf breath design with, with the artwork in, in particular, you know, as soon as I saw mm-hmm. one, as soon as I saw the vignettes going up, I thought it was super fucking cool. Um, and then right. the artwork to follow, I was like, mm-hmm. yo, when does that shit go on sale? Cause I need to pick one up. So I, so I, Definitely out there supporting not only you, but Def Breath for sure uh, on what yeah, you guys definitely. are doing together. Yeah, and they're bringing in more talent too, like Shane Taylor's involved. Um, he's a good, good hand out of Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. originally from Ohio, but Shane's involved. A few other guys, you know, it's gradually, slowly picking up. That's kind of where it goes back in like the Northeast, like with uh, bottom line. There's so many guys in the Northeast, you can just take them, like Homicide, Al Snow, and David Starr, Strickland, Callahan, all these guys, and it's like it's easy sell because they're fan base. Yeah, yeah. I'm just one guy, so it's not getting that much traffic as it should be getting. But it's worth saying if you haven't been following Def Breath for sure, follow them because the guy is crazy with the vignettes and capturing your yes. imagination. And then if he's able to continue delivering with the the artwork. Um, for the talent out there, then it's just money to me as a fan, you know? Well, yeah, definitely. And the thing is, what they're doing, it's like what uh, Keenan's doing, is taking things back to the old school. Like, mm. there's no legitimizing heat between the boys, which is, in my opinion, is the stupidest thing not to capitalize on that. Because there's a lot of guys, a lot of wrestlers that don't like each other. Yeah. And that's an easy sell to make it up these stupid storylines and vignettes and angles. Like, mm-hmm. dude, just let them actually shoot. <laughs> yeah. And nobody wants to do that. You see guys on their social media, it's like, you guys, like, are supposed to hate each other. And they're like, I don't know, at the beach, <laughs> calling each other. And it's just weird as shit. Like, you'll never yeah. see anything like that on my, my social media. Yeah. Especially if I don't like somebody. You're definitely not. <laughs> Who's on that list? Pictures of guns and knives being posted. (laughs) Who's on that? uh, I don't like list. Oh man, there's too many, too many (laughs) name off. (laughs) They know who they are. (laughs) All right. Well, you mentioned they they know exactly who they are. Their egos and anybody that's stolen the skewer spot or stolen the skewer, not even a spot. Like you know, stole the weapon. They're on that list. 
Are you okay if someone steals that spot and gives you credit for it, or are you just not okay with someone stealing the spot? I just don't want anybody honestly doing it. You know, gotcha. Because if somebody does it, then it's like, well, anybody can do this. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it just it becomes watered down, and it doesn't mean any much, and it's killing the gimmick. Right. You know, and same thing with like Sabu. He was the one doing the tables, and now everybody breaks tables and uses the chairs, and he's the originator of it. But everybody's doing it, so now it doesn't mean shit. It's mm-hmm. just something else. Right. And I, the last thing I want is for skewers to be known as like the next thumbtack. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want it to be that. Right. Well, you. And that's where it's, it's leading now. Yeah. You briefly mentioned uh, one of your passions that I hope you don't mind getting into, but um, knives. No. You know, yeah, yeah. on social media, you post a lot of thing, things about knives, and, and you craft these out yourself. Right. You create them. Right. So yeah, definitely. Wh- where did that come from? Like, it has you have to be one super creative to create the shit that I've seen on there, and then mm-hmm. have the ingenuity. Like, did you study that, or did it just come naturally? Like, how? How? Well, I mean, a lot of it's like stuff I used to do when I was a teenager and then, you know, now going full force into it. Funny enough, it's like my mom actually got me into being crafty and the artwork. She got me into that at a young age. And as far as like knives go, like I said, something I was doing when I was a teenager and now older, it's just, man, I can make whatever I want or what somebody else wants. And then, uh, you know, my significant other is the one that actually got me motivated to get back in there full force. Mm-hmm. Like she's always motivated me. She's always pushed me. So that's where I'm at. We did get to see the softer side of you at Mania Weekend, <laughs> and we got to meet your beautiful wife. How did you guys meet? Because I hear that, you know, she's no no stranger to professional wrestling. So fill us in on her story, your story, and then you guys come in together. How did it happen? Uh, well, shoot, we've been friends for over 16 years. I met her when I first started wrestling in San Antonio, and she was like 20, first turned to 21, so it's been a while. Yeah, we've always been friends, like best of friends, and, uh, you know, she's been involved in business before she was even born. Her dad's Black Gorman. Mm. Family's been involved with it, Delico Jr., Alberto Del Rio, uh, and just click, you know, everything. I mean, not just even on the wrestling side, just like real world. You know, we have the same humor, <laughs> same everything, really. So she really is my best friend. Yeah. Well, this is what, what I like about you. And these are some of the things that, you know, what I'm enjoying about this conversation. One of the reasons I'm down with Masada and I'm down with who you are is you're a real dude who does not give two shits about public opinion. You are who you are and you say what you say, but you stand behind it. Now we may not see eye to eye on everything, but I respect the fact that you have an opinion. Now we posted on our social media that we were going to be working together at Bloodsport and a defunct Brooklyn podcast wanted me to ask about your opinions on gun control. Um, So what is it? (laughs) My opinions on gun control, I just, it's never going to happen, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And it goes into, like, so many things, like, talking to that idiot, where he's just trying to, like, you know, pretty much make me look like an idiot and make a joke of what I'm talking about. But, you know, with the shootings that are going on that have happened, there's always a rhyme and reason why that does happen. Um, to get rid of guns and try to ban them, it's never going to happen because too many people that don't follow the law have them so it's better yeah. to be able to protect yourself and always depend on the police department or you know you know somebody to help you out like you should be able to help yourself mm-hmm. and i've grown up around firearms since i was four years old you know my dad was a police officer former chief deputy of jefferson county mm-hmm. and 
you know, taught at a young age to respect the weapon, respect the firearm, and it's a tool to keep yourself safe. Right. Now, when you go into, like, school shootings and whatnot, that goes into a bigger issue of people being bullied or just bad upbringing and not respecting something. So I don't think you should take it away from people that are by law-abiding citizens. Like, you just shouldn't do that. It's not mm-hmm. right. But I can also get a point where if you take everything away, you wouldn't have all these shootings. That's not exactly accurate either. Because if somebody wants to kill somebody, they're going to do it regardless. Right. Whether it be with a firearm, a knife, a car, a bomb. I mean, hell, in Austin, Texas, there was a guy bombing people through the mail. You know, when there's a will, there's a way. And I think a lot of that stuff comes from people that are actually committing these, like, heinous acts. It's from abuse or they're just mentally, like, insane, or sick. Mm-hmm. It's always something like that. So, I mean, I have firearms and it's to protect my family. You know, right. damn, if some idiot goes and commits a crime that you're going to take my weapons and my protection away. Do I need them? No. Do I want them? Yes. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? No, it's totally a different culture because I uh, recently went on a a weekend trip with my wife to Dallas, Texas. And we went to a few restaurants and there were restaurants that allowed you to like, they posted, you know, either firearms allowed, firearms are not allowed. And it was a a shock of culture for us being a part of the East coast where obviously you you don't carry any guns with you, period. But, um, you know, once I think the main thing is too with stuff like that. Sorry to cut you off. The main thing is with stuff like that. If people know everybody's armed, mm-hmm. they're less likely to do something. And if they do do something, they're going to get shot. Right. <laughs> you know, people might not want to live in that type of society, yeah. but it is what it is. Yeah. You know? No, it's like, stuff- I feel more comfortable hanging out with my friends to know they're armed or I'm armed because you never know what's going to happen. Well, you know? shit, and my at a young were age, armed. I had a lot of dealings in with gangs, and like you don't know what these people are carrying on them. Mm-hmm. So it's best to be armed yourself. Northeast is definitely not like that. I noticed that, but that doesn't prevent criminals from getting firearms. Exactly, exactly. And that was yeah. what was going to be my point. You know, once the culture shock went away, um, you kind of you know lived in that society. We lived in that society for the weekend, and it was perfectly safe right. to walk around like we. And we even saw people um, like, oh, look, that person has a gun underneath their their holster and shit, you know, but I feel I didn't feel unsafe. Um, Right. And in fact, sometimes walking around in certain neighborhoods in New York City, I feel more unsafe not knowing what people have, whether it's a blade and it's not a gun in them or what they're capable of. So, yeah, too many of my friends in the, in New York have told me about being jacked on the subways. And it's yep. like, that should, that should happen here. You can guarantee somebody else to have a firearm is going to pull it out on, on someone. Right. People might think that's crazy, but I'd rather somebody actually like help me out than mm-hmm. me being like clubbed over the head and like stealing my phone and my wallet. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get in more of a serious matter, like, you know, women, you know, firearms like for like handguns for them, prevent them from being raped or battered. You know, that's what it's for, people. So when mm-hmm. you see all these idiots that go on, it's like, you know, the school shooting. Well, why did that happen? That kid was probably bullied, had low self-esteem. He feels worthless. And he's like, well, you know what? Fuck it. My life's going nowhere. I'm just going to take as many of you assholes with me. Yeah. And that's the mentality. Mm-hmm. Is it right? No, no. it's not right. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, everybody should be nice to each other. You know, really. You go on social media now, go on Twitter accounts. Everybody just bashes everyone. And nobody has a ball to say for their fucking face. Yeah. That's what pisses me off, where it's like all these cowards will talk shit behind someone's back, you know, social justice warriors, but they won't say it to the man's face. And that's like that punk in New York who wants to try to, like, throw me under the bus and say all this shit. He'll never say it to my face, asshole, because you'd be gone on the ground and stomped. I promise you that. <laughs> 
Well, good thing they don't anybody even have. Anybody that knows me and CTW, anybody who's grown up with me on the road, has seen me getting bar fights. They know that's what's up. Yeah. Well, good thing they don't even have a podcast to stand alone right now on. Uh, so they don't even they won't even have an opportunity to respond. Uh, what is one right, public? The, the junk, sorry to even talk about them, but the junk that's even on their stuff is like ring rats talking about drugs and then has like syringes. Like, why are you relating that with wrestling? <laughs> you know, I've had too many of my friends that OD, motherfuckers. Like, yeah. that shit's not funny. It's not fucking cool. Yeah. But then this asshole wants to get on the gun control chick. We'll make a valid point, Sonny, man. Yeah. Like, well, anyway, <laughs> we're wrapping up our uh, time here with you, and um, okay. we like not having anything left on the table that is unanswered. So we're going to finish it off with one last question. Uh, you okay. left a question unanswered in a previous interview with friends to the show, The Boulevard Bullies, um, yes. that I hope you could answer for us today and give us that one exclusive. Masada, fuck, Mary kill, the three faces of Foley. Cactus Jack, oh Mankind, or Dude Love? <laughs> Neither. Neither. <laughs> All right, bullies. We tried. No. You know, we no. tried for you. Uh, if people wanted to follow you, uh, where were you? Where are you going to be? Where could we do that? Uh, to follow me, you can go to Official Masada on Instagram. You can go to Official Masada on Twitter. You know, I'm rarely on Twitter. You can go to Brigham Paul Doom Masada. That's my Facebook. There is a, a Masada Facebook, but I'm rarely on that. So okay. if you just get the one that has like my shoot name on it, that's the best way to actually see what I'm doing because I'm constantly updating that. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Bro. You know? uh, definitely take a look on Instagram. We're constantly plugging things on there. Yeah. Uh, weapons, jewelry, uh, upcoming events. I'll be back at the crash. So mostly wrestling down down Mexico. Well, sweet man, big and difference. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> really appreciate you. I can't believe. I mean, I, I went through a few shots here just to get through the interview, but the next round is on us. So uh, why don't you stick around for last call, and uh, okay. we'll finish up the show that way. Sound good? Hey, sounds awesome. Appreciate it. Stay tuned to the end of this episode for Last Call with Masada. It's In the News with Michael J. Putty. All right, once again, thanks, Masada, for that great interview. You know, hard work pays off. Pays so off. happy for Green Man. He's growing up into such a, such a nice adult. Let's get right into it. Uh, after a three-year suspension, Hulk Hogan has been reinstated into the Hall of Fame. Your thoughts? In terms of his history, what he's done for the business, what he's done in professional wrestling, he obviously deserves his spot in the Hall of Fame. I do, though, stand with the New Day and Titus O'Neil, um, who have come out publicly and said, while they understand his placement in the Hall, they really need to see true remorse and, and things like that out of, out of Hulk Hogan, I think. They're, they're right on the money with that. I mean, we all know that when it comes to those situations of, hey, you need to do this in order to get back into the good graces of this and this and this, people will do it. And people are like, oh, yeah, I'm contrite and I'm remorseful. Is he really? Who knows? 
you know, so I'm happy that Hulk Hogan's place in history in terms of the WWE is back and restored, but I don't necessarily want to see him back on, on television or have any desire to see him back on television. Before Extreme Rules, he met with the locker room to offer his apologies. Like you said, the New Day and Titus O'Neil are happy that he did it, but weren't believing the bullshit that came out of his mouth. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you were told, Michael J. Putty, in order to save your career, in order to save your job, or in order to, to get somewhere in your career, you have to say something. Most times, you're going to say it. And so I, I, I think, you know, I wasn't there. I wasn't in that locker room. I don't know what Hogan said. I'm not Hulk Hogan. I don't know what Terry Bollea believes. I don't know what's in his heart. I don't know what's in his mind. But you have to believe that there came a point where the WWE said, listen, this is what you got to do to come back. And he was just like, okay. We don't know if he means it or not. And I think the New Day and Titus O'Neil and probably others are feeling the same way. Yeah, the New Day, part of their comments that they're not going to associate with him because they don't want to associate with hatred. Uh, yeah. Titus O'Neil said, in part, and I quote, Mr. Belay's apology that he didn't know he was being recorded is not remorse for the hateful and violent utterances that he made. I'm hoping that yeah. wasn't his apology. I didn't know it was being recorded. That's kind of a shitty apology. No, I think I think he said it in the context of his apology. But again, that's kind of like a cop out. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know I was being recorded, so I apologize that I got caught. Like, I'm not sorry that I said it, but I'm sorry I got caught. He's expected to make a return. To, they want, Actually, I heard a rumor. They want to I heard a rumor that goes all the way to SummerSlam. I heard a rumor that apparently there is rumors going around that he will be he will be the one to crown Bobby Lashley as the first black WWE champion. Is that true? And I'm just like, literally, if it gets to that point and they're doing this just to kind of help Hogan and not because Lashley's deserving or Lashley, literally, that'll probably be the, that one thing that makes me turn off the TV and say, I'm done. Yeah, that'd be kind of tasteless. I don't think they're that stupid. Uh, I hate to say this because I respect this man. Yeah. I don't put it past Vince. Uh, Moving on. Before Raw, they showed in memory to Masa Saido. Now, many people have asked, who is this guy? Well, I can tell you he's a two-time tag team champion with Mr. Fuji back in the early 80s. He's also a former two-time IWGP tag team champion and a former AWA World Heavyweight Champion. So uh, it's kind of, this guy's no joke. He kind of was kind of a big no, deal. No, Masa Saido, Masa Saido is no joke. If you have not seen his stuff, go back and watch it. Him and Fuji. Most people, like myself, I grew up seeing Mr. Fuji as a manager. Yeah, me too. Um, I was surprised. But <laughs> yeah, go back, watch his stuff. And also, <laughs> from what I've heard in many, many different uh, WWE interviews that I've, I've seen, Masa Saido and Mr. Fuji, probably two of the greatest backstage ribbers in history. Really? He Gotta check it out. But condolences to Masa Saido. And uh, also, if you if you listen to X-Pac's podcast, X-Pac told a great story about Masa Saido as well. Can you recap it real quick? Uh, very quickly that Masa Saido was uh, very big on helping a lot of the young guys. And so X-Pac uh, found a lot of guidance um, from Mrs., uh, Masa Saido, or as they called him, Mr. Saido. And, uh, you know, just found a way to really grow and help get him to the next level. And, and that's something you don't, you know, you hear a lot from a lot of the older guys. That a lot of these guys that wrestled in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, they were really big on helping the next generation. You know, and they knew they knew when it was to, to to pass things on. You know, but Saido and Fuji, one of the greatest tag teams in early WWF history. Go check him out on the network. He died at the age of seventy six following complications of an eighteen year battle with Parkinson's. So I guess he's finally at peace. So uh, thoughts and condolences to his, him and his family. Yes, yes, yes. In all the news, W posted that Stephanie McMahon will make a historic announcement on this coming Raw. A number of sources are indicating the announcement will have 
something to do with an all-female pay-per-view, which will take place, rumored to be, in September in Long Island. The other heavy rumor is a female tag team championship. Now, I am firmly against that. I don't know how you feel, Pete, because a couple weeks ago we reported how Vince is against the tag team division. He doesn't feel like it's a draw. It's not making him money, so he kind of given up on that. So then why double down on that by making a women's tag team title? I don't like the women tag team title idea just because I feel like they don't know what the hell they're doing with their women's single stars to begin with. I mean, screw the tag team. Give me a women's mid-card title. Because why are all these women fighting for one belt? Give me like an IC you know, title for women, you know? No, but not even, I mean, listen, let's look at, let's look at Raw for a minute. Because this is apparently from what we're hearing is going to be a Raw women's tag team championship. But, yeah. and, and Sasha Banks may have un unknowingly spoiled it. That's why a lot of the rumors are coming up out of the tag team championship because Sasha Banks put up an Instagram story of some of the old school WWF women's tag team championships because people don't know there was a WWF women tag team championship that ran from 1973 to uh, 1983 to 1989. So, but let's look at the Raw division. Sasha Banks, Mm -hmm. Bailey, Dana Brooke, Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, Natalia, Ronda Rousey, uh, Liv Morgan, Ember Moon, and Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot. Okay? Yep. Ruby Riot's out on injury. Okay, fine. Alexa Bliss is your champion. Okay, great. Sasha Banks and Bailey have been fighting for no end. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. One month, yeah. one day they're in counseling. The next day, Sasha Banks is telling Bailey, I've loved you. I've always loved you. You know, like if they're about to get into the to the drowning scene in Titanic. Yeah. Dana Brooke barely wrestles. Mickey James barely wrestles. Alicia Fox has not been seen on TV in months. Liv Morgan, uh, uh, Sarah Logan, and Ember Moon are kind of like truncated in their own little feud. Ronda Rousey's your new golden child. Natalia is doing what exactly? You know, so you barely know. They barely know what they're doing with the Raw Women's Division as single stars as it is okay and now what are you going to do who are the tag teams on raw who are you going to put together you're going to put together sasha banks and bailey because you don't want to actually have them feud so you're going to put them into a stupid little tag team who you have Liv morgan and and sarah logan okay that's great who's nia jackson a team with who's natalia going to team with who's what are you going to have alexa bliss and mickey james as a tag team it makes no sense okay for one you don't know what they're doing as singles that's for two three there's no point in getting tag team championships for your women because as you so expertly pointed out, Mr. Putty, they don't even know what they're doing with the tag team division as it is. That's what I'm thinking. It'll be good to just give me a woman's mid-card. Give me, you can have Ember Moon fighting against Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan. Throw Dana Brooks like what, a woman's IC title. Just give them something else to fight for because the women's division is too crowded to fight for one belt now. Give them something well, else yeah. to fight for. But I also think they don't, as much as the WWE talks about a women's revolution, they don't know how to program a, a, a women's stuff. I mean, it's, it's really interesting because you look at SmackDown. SmackDown, you have Carmella and Asuka, which I actually like that little feud because, you know, you got to get Carmella over. And I think, you know, doing that at Asuka's expense is kind of working a little bit. But even there, you have Charlotte's been off of TV with an injury. Becky Lynch is kind of stuck in limbo. The Iconics are there. You just have a glut. You have a glut of talent. You have a lot of talent. And you're not doing enough with them, and people lose credibility. Dana Brooke is a great wrestler. She's really good in the ring. Dana Brooke doesn't get used on television. Mickey James came back, doesn't get used on TV besides being Alexa's valet. There's reports going out, and I don't know if you're going to get into this in your news, and I might be cutting one of your stories, but there's reports that Kelly Kelly is interested in a comeback. Yeah. 
You know, I'm not against that. You know, we don't need Kelly Kelly back in the WWE. All respect to Barbie Blank and everything that she can do. You know, the May Young Classic is being done down in 20, uh, the 2018 May Young Classic. Look at the amount of talent that's there. Look at the amount of talent that's in NXT in terms of female wrestlers. And think about that. If they can barely do what they barely know what they're doing with them on the main roster. Look who's in NXT. You got Shayna Baszler. You got Nikki Cross. You have Kari, Kari Sane. You know. You have all these great – Candice LeRae. You have all these great women in NXT, and I fear for them when they get to the main roster. So you have an all-woman pay-per-view. Two, oh, I would be all for that. For two give titles? Give women three hours to go out and kill it. For what, though? Two titles? Give them, give them another title. Give them a mid-card title, man. Please. Ugh. Well, yeah. No, I get that. But I think if you but, – but think about it like this. Take titles out of the picture. If you just give the women on the WWE roster three hours to go out there and have great matches – Imagine how awesome that would be. If I could be, uh, if I could probably stupid for a minute, I'm like, that's a cool idea. It's a cool concept. But, but I think TNA did that once or twice, and it wasn't that successful. And then I realized, yeah, people like Rise or Shine doing it fucking nonstop, week in and week out. So the yeah, format, format is there. So it is successful. There's an audience for that. So yeah, and if you it. do it right, and if you actually let the women wrestle, there are great women wrestlers. And if you let them wrestle, and if you let them get taken seriously, they will get over. I mean, you saw, I mean, some people are a fan of intergender wrestling, but at BCW, we saw Mercedes Martinez versus Darius Carter. Yeah, hard, hard, okay. hard hitting match. And when Mercedes walked into that ring, if you did not take her seriously as an equal to Darius Carter, you were, you were proven wrong very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. Okay, and, and that's the difference. You know, they don't have to be gimmicks. I mean, there are some gimmicks out there. Okay, you know, you look at a gimmick team like uh, the Twisted Sisters when they're basically a gimmick. But those two girls, Thunder Rosa and Holla Dead, they can wrestle. Put a woman like Ivelisse in the ring against anybody. She'll wrestle. Yes. You know, so the WWE has a very, let me put it like this. They have a very talented women division from top to bottom. And as much as I may not like what they're doing with Ronda Rousey, she's very good. She has a lot of raw talent. Okay, My, pardon the pun. But... They have a very good women's division from top to bottom. If they gave them three hours and they said, go out there and kill it, and they actually gave them 10, 15 minutes for matches, these women will sell you on how good that women's division actually is. Do you think they can sell it just on the matches themselves or they build storylines that end up in a culmination at this pay-per-view? I wouldn't. I wouldn't if it's going to be... If it's going to be an all-women's event, something like the Greatest Royal Rumble, you know, maybe have like one storyline play out. But I'd like to see just a couple of women's matches. Like, let me see, you know, and let me see some matches I'm not going to see on television. Let me see like Dana Brooks versus versus Bailey, you know, in a match. Let me see Sasha Banks versus, you know, Sarah Logan, just to say things off the top of my head. Let's go cross-brand and let's do something like Becky Lynch versus sarah logan or something like that like that's going to be some really cool matches to do and if you give these women some time they will sell you on the division but i don't think there should be storylines if you want to do a title match and have a storyline tied into it fine so you have three hours maybe four hours to fill there should not be an eight minute match here there shouldn't be a five minute match give these women time to show what they can do like a showcase type type of thing and uh give dana burke time yeah i mean listen the women's royal rumble was really good yeah it was another news well one wrestling promotion has made a lot of waves this week. World-class Revolution Pro Wrestling, a promotion based in Ardmore, Oklahoma, has announced they have signed reality television star, adult film actress, and best-selling author Farah Abraham. Are you familiar with her work? I've, I, I know that she was on 
uh, teen moms on MTV. Uh, I, I then know that she decided to delve into the adult film industry. I've heard she's failed miserably at both. You got to try to make waves in indie wrestling, right? You got to try to make waves in something. Um, I, I don't know if this is the best way to do it. If, if you want to sign an adult film actress to appear in an indie show, why don't they just sign Sonny? Oh, yeah. Well, I think she's in jail. Oh. Farrah Abraham was approached by TMZ and was asked about participating in wrestling. She said she would love to wrestle people like Alexa Bliss and the Bell Twins because she's a big fan of them. Then she went on to say, I don't know if you saw this, went viral for a little bit, how she wants to face some of the people she grew up watching. She says, and I quote, I mean, I would love to wrestle like my all-time favorite, Cold Stone Steve Austin. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I love his ice cream. I never saw him wrestle before. No, no. I ne- no. Oh, boy, 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 boy. But it didn't stop there, my friend, because they also signed former Major League Baseball star Jose Canseco. Thoughts on that? <sighs> Where is this again, Mr. Putty? Ardmore, Oklahoma. Bible Belt. Uh-huh. Tornado Alley. Uh-huh. Okay. Um... I hope that there's nobody in the building when this happens because I'm not ever going to wish harm on anyone. But I hope a a tornado comes through and destroys the venue they're supposed to be at Mm. for this show. Uh, But at at this point... I think they just had a tornado this week, so I don't know where it was, but... I feel like the only thing we need to do at this point is uh, someone's got to check on Jim Ross. Okay. Uh, Because, I mean, this is his portion of the country. And um, you know what we should do? Well, Jim Ross um, is also a part of... The world class revolution organization. Oh God! Um, With your boy Ray Mysterio, I, MVP Scott Steiner, Ryback Tatanka, Jack Swagger, Travel Guerrero, Billy Gunn. All of those are great. All of those are great. You know what we should do? Here's what we should do. Uh, we should find a way to get Jim Cornette to this show. Okay. Oh, okay. Because I think I think he'll have some great things to say about Sarah Abraham and Jose Canseco. Imagine. Oh Jesus! In other news. Yes, talk, please. Talked about it on our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Howard Finkel is reportedly in very poor health, according to Jerry Lawler. During his latest episode of his podcast, he said, and I quote, I just heard not long ago that Howard is in really, really bad health. Not good at all. He may have had a stroke. Not sure about that, but I know just for a fact he's not doing well. Sad news to hear about the Fink. We grew up watching the Fink. So our... Love the Fink. Sending our best to him, hoping it's a quick recovery. Yeah, no, sad sad to hear that about the Fink. Uh, all the best wishes to Howard Finkel and his family. I believe he's uh, local to the tri-state area. I know he's uh, usually at Legends of the Ring every year, which is held in Monroe, New Jersey. The most iconic voice, I think, in professional wrestling. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. I grew up, you know, you grew up, and a lot of us grew up watching Howard Finkel with that beautiful, you know, drop-down mic from the roof of Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and just his voice is so iconic. I wish him all the best. I wish his family all the best. And, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting Howard Finkel. He's a great man. Mm-hmm. He's a great man in real life, too. Such a sweetheart. Good so man. I wish him all the best. Finally, in other news, WrestleMania may be returning to Canada in 2021. According to reports, there have been talks of WrestleMania 37 being hosted in Toronto, which hosted WrestleMania 6 and WrestleMania 18. I guess I'm going to need a passport. I don't have one. So I guess this is motivation for me to get one, huh? Definitely. I'm definitely need a passport as well um i'm i'm less i mean i'm happy that toronto is going to get another mania i'm still waiting for the uk to get a mania i think with uh with the network uh, and i think we've seen some success with some of the network specials in different time zones and i think obviously if the wwe takes any kind of cue from new japan i don't know if you've been following this but do you realize how many people in america are up 
watching the G1 uh, special in Japan uh, online on a regular basis, Michael J. Putty. I mean, this is starting. The first match in United States time probably starts around 3, 4 in the morning. Oh, wow. And there are thousands of people up watching the G1 specials or the G1 climax or things like that. Wrestle Kingdom is on in Japan. Obviously, the WrestleMania of New Japan Pro Wrestling. People are up at 1, 2, 3 in the morning, uh, tuned in to the New Japan Pro Wrestling Network or some kind of illegal stream to watch Wrestle Kingdom. So I think the WWE, I I like the Canada move, but I hope that this opens the door to the WWE looking at maybe doing an international mania, especially in the UK. The UK deserves it. Their fan base is rabid, and I don't think you're going to lose anybody on the American side of watching Mania. Uh, quick note is WrestleMania 36 in 2020 is apparently being narrowed down to Georgia, Minnesota, or Florida. So once again, we'll keep you up. We'll keep you up. Get out of Florida. They've done like what? 17 manias in Florida. Something like that. But moving on real quick, uh, real quick, running out of time. Last week, we talked about the talks of having two WrestleManias, one, the flagship, and then one international one, presumably in UK sometime in October, much like they did with the Royal Rumble this past year. I like it. I think it's great. As long as one doesn't get treated as less than the other, one is in a gimmick or things like that. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the WWE is running into a lot of a lot of competition. I mean, look at look at how well All In has done, and look at how well the it has been received so far. The New Japan Ring of Honor special that'll be happening at MSG WrestleMania weekend. So. The WWE really needs to start to push the envelope because I think they're finally starting to get some push from a lot of places, and they're really going to need to figure out a way to expand the product in positive ways. You have free tickets. You want to go see NXT or uh, Ring of Honor in New Japan? <sighs> Damn, that's tough. Um, honestly, I think I would say I want to see Ring of Honor in New Japan only because... I don't get to see the Japanese stars as much. So I think it's just a matter of not being able to see them. The NXT stars, uh, I, I've, especially the ones that are there now, I've seen them a lot uh, and things like that. I think both are going to be incredible shows, but I think just the if it was just a Ring of Honor show, I'd be at NXT. Uh, but if it's Ring of Honor New Japan, I definitely would have to be there because the, the New Japan stars are very rare. You see them on this side of the border. I want to say this before we move on. Want to know what the biggest difference is between the WWE and Ring of Honor New Japan? Please. The connection between its wrestlers and its fans. I don't know if you've been to a Ring of Honor show in the Hammerstein Ballroom. No. But they make sure that their stars, their biggest stars, not just the lower card guys, their biggest stars are meeting and greeting with the fans. And you're able to meet them, talk to them, have conversations, and actually communicate with them. The WWE does not do that. And even when New Japan comes to town and they do it with Ring of Honor, they let their fans go down there. I think uh, the last time Ring of Honor New Japan had a shared show at the Hammerstein Ballroom, I went. I was able to meet Takahashi, Marty Skrull, uh, Naito, Will Ospreay. These guys were all there for meet and greets with fans. The WWE needs to get back to allowing it's wrestlers to meet the fans and not trying to take too much from their pockets because then you'll start to see more people feeling like the WWE is a place to be ready to uh, move on to some cheers and heels. Let's do it. I love that part. I love this. My favorite segment of the show. Get right into it. 
a shot of wrestling presents here and here. All right, friend, let's get into some Raw. Did you watch Raw this week? I watched it. I watched parts of it. I didn't watch all of it, but I watched parts of it. Any cheers or heels for you? I will say I have a cheer for how fast Paul Heyman ran down the ramp. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was probably the greatest thing on Raw yes, uh, this, this past week. said yesterday, thinking that today is, uh, is Tuesday. Um, but the greatest thing on Raw was the Paul Heyman running down the ramp. I don't think I've ever seen him run down the ramp that fast in my life. I have a heel in that segment, and that just so happens to be that I did not like the fact that Roman Reigns was involved. But you weren't surprised. I wasn't surprised at all, you know, but I, I didn't like it. I did like the fact that McIntyre was involved. Me too. And Elias. That, fresh faces. I, yeah. I still, my, I, I do heal the fact that I still, to this day, have not heard Elias' theme song play on WWE television. Yeah, what is his theme song? He has a theme song called Drift Away. Yeah, but I, I never heard it. Yeah, I, I want to hear it. I'm sure yeah, it's available on iTunes. If you go on YouTube, I think it's probably available on, on iTunes. If you go on YouTube and you look up Elias theme song, it actually is a theme song for Elias. I got cheer. I got cheer. It's Mojo Raleigh getting another match and another victory. He, you know, it's good to finally see him show off his athleticism and what he can do. And I'm hoping this actually leads to something because I, I like Mojo. I'm in the minority here. Yes, uh, Mojo. I, I'm a fan of No Way Jose though. Ah, then I, I feel bad uh, for you. Uh, if I can kill him. Yeah, but then again, I mean, hey, you know. It, you know, the, the the dancing gimmick totally worked with Fandango and Adam Rose. Yeah, right. Ugh. I will say, though, I have a, a cheer for Baron Corbin, or shall I call him Constable, Constable yeah. Corbin. I think he's really growing into this character. I, I really agree. like the work he's I, I really like the work he's been doing with it. I do cheer him. I heal the fact that we are going to get essentially a rematch for Extreme Rules next week. And by the way, can we just cheer the fans at Monday Night Raw for screaming for Kurt Angle to strip the championship? Yes, that was good. That's how you hijack a show, by the way. That that was great. And my last heel for Monday Night Raw was Ronda Rousey's hairstyle. Oh, the Tosa Strudel, the uh, the road dog, all those memes about it. It was great. Yeah, that was, uh, listen, uh, Ronda, needs, Ronda needs some friends who tell her uh, no. Yeah. Maybe they're too scared to tell her no, but SmackDown, I'm going to cheers at AJ Styles' Almas match. I don't really... Oh, that was great. I don't know much about this guy. I don't watch NXT. It's my first real look at him in a real match. And uh, I'm usually looking at Selena, but uh, <laughs> I was impressed. I liked it. I liked that whole thing where he was laying on the ropes. The tranquilo pose. I'm excited to see where the future lies for this guy now. So very interestingly enough, I'll give you a little bit of a, a quick backstory on Mr. Almas. Mr. Almas was previously known, obviously, in Mexico, came in as La Sombra, and he's actually the originator of Los Ingobernables, oh, yeah. which is obviously the big faction in Japan, Los Ingobernables de Japón, and everybody knows it, Naito doing the tranquilo pose. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, so La, La Sombra, or Almas, was actually the originator of that in Mexico, and then it uh, transitioned to Japan, and he came to NXT, kind of was doing this 100 gimmick for a while, Andrade Cien Almas being 100, which kind of didn't really go too far. If you want to see a great match of his, watch NXT take over Philadelphia, Andrade Cien Almas versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship. That match, Dave Meltzer, and you know how hard Meltzer is on WWE matches, he gave that match five stars. But yes, yeah, I think almost getting that shot was incredible. It was great. I honestly did not like the fact that that match was so early on in the show mm-hmm. because it, it sucked. 
the life out of the rest of the show for me. That's true. Can't argue that. Uh, because that was such an incredible, uh, incredible matchup. I will say a cheer that I have for SmackDown is I am liking uh, this little New Day sanity di- dynamic. Okay. The match between Kofi and Eric Young was fantastic. That was, that was a good. fantastic match. That was very good. Um, other than that, not much to cheer from SmackDown, um, which what? is rare because I usually love SmackDown. I'd like to know what direction they're going in with Rusev. What about the whole, uh, my big cheer, the, uh, yes, the finally, the Miz funeral for Team Hell No. And the Miz is <laughs> the heel promo for the Miz. Again, I'm all in on that. I love the Miz. The Miz is probably, if I had to take two people in the WWE who I feel should be a WWE champion, on SmackDown it would definitely be the Miz, and on Raw it would be a tie between Finn Balor and Dolph Ziggler. Okay. Just guys who don't get the respect and don't get their due in the WWE. Here's my thing. I can't really get too invested in the Miz and anything that he's doing that relates to Daniel Bryan unless I know this is going to lead to a match. I think that's where they're going with it. SummerSlam, no? I would hope so. I would hope they're going to go is, with Miz and Bryan. This is the kickoff uh, Because that is, that is a match that has been teased for years. My biggest heel of SmackDown was Renny Orton putting his finger into the ear gauge of Jeff Hardy and pulling on it. I think we saw some blood coming out. Yeah, I was scared that he was going to break it. Yeah, me too. And that was like legitimately creeped me out. That was like, why and even how did you book this? Like, uh, Jeff, I put my finger in your ear. Back as a heel. Wow, that's a that's given. But my whole thing is, is from what we've been hearing, isn't Jeff injured? That was what I've read until the other day when I found out that's not true and he's going to be back for SummerSlam. It's going to be a triple threat for the title at SummerSlam. You know, I've been hearing that Jeff is injured. He has some nerve damage. He sometimes can't feel his hand, things like that. And that's also why the Nakamura match was so short, you know, at, 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 at Extreme Rules. Um, yeah, that's why I read too, but so, it contradicts it. So once again, we're like up in the air, like only time will tell there. Right. And, and then, you know, this whole Randy Orton insertion, you know, I'm just kind of confused as to why, how, what's going on. So I will say probably the biggest cheer is anytime Nakamura has a mic in front of his face is gold. In the words of Shinsuke Nakamura, God bless America. Yeah. Moving on to Lucha Underground. Did you watch it this week? Are you watching I it at all? I have not watched Lucha Underground this week. How, have you been watching it? I've caught a couple of it, especially now with, uh, you know, uh, local favorite uh, Sonny Kiss being involved as Exolicious. That's right. You know, but I have not been keeping on top of it. I do know that uh, apparently, if I'm not mistaken, Ivelisse will be fighting for the Gift of the Gods championship. That is correct. I'm all, you I'm know, I do know a couple of things. So last week I, asked, I mentioned about the whole rabbit tribe thing where Paul London was looking for the white rabbit. Yes. So him and his, his teammates were in this weird room and a little midget, little little person came to them and led them to the white rabbit. That white rabbit was Killer Cross. Killer Cross handed Paul London an object and told him to kill the little person, which Paul London did. Paul London brutally murdered somebody on my television last week. And now like he's back in the temple like nothing had happened. Like where did Paul London come from? I haven't even heard of Paul London in years. Now all of a sudden he's on Lucha Underground. Where the fuck did Paul London well, come from? I believe he I believe he showed up last season with his white with his white rabbit tribe. Apparently, um, yeah. And but, and what is the deal with the white rabbit tribe? Like London isn't the white rabbit. We found out it was Killer Cross last week. He's the White Rabbit. So is London the leader of this tribe, or do they serve Killer Cross? So many questions that need answering. About Which, oddly enough, didn't Killer Cross just get revealed on Impact? 
That's a question for you. I'm going to save to the end of this because I have a question I've been waiting to ask. And I keep forgetting. So I'm going to ask you at the end of the segment. Make sure you remind me to ask you this question. I will remind you to ask the question. But Lucha Underground, I, I the one thing I love about Lucha Underground is that thing is not booked as a wrestling show. It's booked as a novella that has wrestling in it. Uh, I'm going to cheers a gift of the God's belt. You know, all winners came out with their medallions, each one by one, representing a different animal. They placed it in the belt. I think you're going to agree with me here right away. I thought about the Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's Lucha time. Everyone represents a different animal. All the winners partook in an impromptu battle royal match where the winner got to eliminate somebody from the competition right away. It came down to the Mac and the Son of Havoc. I'm going to cheers. The Mac wins. And he eliminates Mil Muertes to the chill for me because, yeah, Mil Muertes is clearly the favorite here to win. He's a dominant, scary motherfucker. But now I don't get to see Katarina anymore. I mean, listen. Which on the ground? I mean, Make sure you watch it. DeMac made the, uh, the smart choice. Uh, but oh, absolutely. I gotta say, listen, the fact that you get to see a match between DeMac and Son of Havoc, a.k.a. Matt Cross, that's one hell of a match right there. Impact. Did you watch Impact this week? I have been watching Impact. Impact, to me, honestly, has had, in my opinion, the best weekly product. Now, besides BCW's Red, White, and Bruised, I kind of wanted you this week for this segment alone. Ready for this? Go ahead. Last week I asked, don't cut me off here, let me finish. Last week I asked, who's Joe Henry? And, like, he's banging Katarina, right? Well, obviously, they were listening because it's true. They're definitely going with Joe Henry and Katarina doing something. But then, man oh man, it was Joe Henry, Henry, sorry, going against my man Eli Drake. Joe comes out with his custom-made video package, custom-made theme song, and then right away, boom, it took it back to you last time you were here, showing me his this guy's stuff from New Japan, I believe it was. I'm all in on Joe Henry. <laughs> this guy's great. Reminded me of those videos you showed me last time, and now the impact's continuing that, because you have to, you cannot not do that. Joe Hendry is, in my opinion, oh my god, uh, he he he's the gift that keeps on giving. Oh man, he definitely is. So I, I will I will correct you on one thing. It wasn't um it wasn't New Japan. He wrestles for uh, I believe it's ICW out in uh, Scotland and then Scotland, also yeah, other right. other promotions in okay. in 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 the EU. Um, but this man he he creates his own video packages. Uh, I believe the one that I showed you was him doing Wrecking Ball. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, but he came out in what he called a Hendry ball. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I thought it'd be right away. I'm like, oh, man, let's talk about this. He's done a Pokemon one, um, which was great. So, I listen, Joe Hendry getting picked up. Again, Impact has made some great signings. Impact That's... has made some great signings. And honestly, in my opinion, I will tell you this. I was actually more happy. I cheered the return of the original LAX. Okay. Because as much as I love Santana and Ortiz, okay, or as people in the New York indie scene know them, Santana, Ortiz, and Drastic, as, as much as I love those guys, when I hear the words LAX, when I hear the word LAX, when I hear those letters, I think Homicide Hernandez. Okay. And to see Hernandez back, to see you know that team back, especially with a lot of the issues that Hernandez has gone through with Impact Wrestling and formerly TNA, um, that was great to see back. To see Joe Hendry in Impact is great. Obviously, one of my biggest cheers uh, in in Impact is always Falaba. Really? Okay. Uh, I think he's 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 really growing into a great comedic character over at Impact. Um, but also, I have a huge cheer for this Tessa Blanchard character. Yes. The way that they've taken Tessa Blanchard and turned her into this like super entitled heel. 
is so awesome. And I, and I love this. And I, and I love this little story. It's so hilarious. Her dad, obviously, is legendary four horseman Tully Blanchard. Her stepfather is Magnum T.A. And if anybody who knows anything about old school N.W.A. rivalries, Tully Blanchard and Magnum T.A. were two of the biggest rivals in the N.W.A. Uh, And so for that to be her dad and her stepdad, the biggest heel I have for Impact Wrestling, and I will continue to have this heel for Impact Wrestling until they change this, and it's beyond the wrestling aspect of it. My biggest heel is the continued employment of Chris Levin, a.k.a. Ref Riley. Who the hell is that? So you, have you, when you watch Impact, you ever see that, uh, little, that, that ref that looks like he's a 15-year-old kid? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That I mean, would be Ref Riley, otherwise known as Chris Levin, uh, a local indie ref here in the New York, New Jersey scene. Interestingly enough, do you want to know why his name is Ref Riley, Mr. Michael J. Putty? I do, sir. His name is Ref Riley on television because he is paying homage to his good friend and local New York City independent black bald star turned pedophile rude boy Riley. Oh, that's depressing. That wasn't expecting to go there. So, uh, this has actually been a big thing on social media. If you follow some of the people in the New York indie scene on Twitter and, and Facebook, they've brought it up. The fact that this 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 person's on television as Ref Riley, which is an obvious homage to a person that he's still friends with and still defends, Mr. Rude Boy Riley. Yeah, um, and we all disgusting. know the issues that happen there let's not talk about that any further let's move on right quick that yeah. sucks so uh, my biggest my biggest heel is that mr putty that's gonna be mine now too every every week now i don't know why it hasn't reached them the social media buzz hasn't reached them and why they haven't told him to change your name like i don't understand it my biggest cheers is uh my man eddie edwards i was, I was loving his downward spiral he was cutting a promo on tommy dreamer in the middle of the ring and at one point he said and i quote i'm the true innovator of violence now, the crowd was dead silent, listening intently. But after that sentence, some random kid in the audience shouts out, No, you're not. The crowd erupts with laughter. So I'm cheersing that kid. Great timing. That kid had great timing. He knew when to take a shot, and he shot it. Good job, kid. You know, Eddie Edwards is Eddie Edwards is great. <laughs> but that kid, kudos to you, kid. So wrapping up Impact here, like, that's how you do a go-home show. Like, I haven't seen a good go-home show in quite a while. That, to me, was a good go-home show. Oh, it was great. It's, and again, I think Impact, and it's been a long time since I've said this, Impact, I think, has had the best weekly product on television. I have to agree with you. Right now, I think they have, in my opinion, one of the greatest rosters that we're seeing right now. When you're looking from top to bottom, I think they have a loaded roster. Speaking of the roster, leading to my question, I watch Impact, I watch Lucha Underground as well, and I see people like Pentagon, Phoenix, Brian Cage, now Damian Xavier on both shows. Isn't there enough indie, unsigned talent? to be spotlight on both shows why do we have to share rosters why do i see these guys twice a week on my show well like i don't see the killer cross as killer cross and impact but yeah he's the white rabbit on lucha underground yeah i think david xavier on one show another show underground is a lot more character based for example shane strickland when he does the indies he's not known as kill shot okay you know he is known as shane strickland for example if he's on tv uh, matanza okay is the Lucha Underground persona of indie star Jeff Cobb. But you don't see Jeff Cobb doing bookings under the Matanza gimmick. You see him doing it under Jeff Cobb. Why is Pentagon Jr. And, on two shows? Why is Brian Cage on two shows? Right. So I, I think... Is that taking away the spotlight he, from somebody else? Well, well, here's where you get the caveat. One, I know that uh, Lucha Underground, AAA, and 
Impact have a working relationship with each other, and that's how it started, yes. getting some of the talent from Lucha Underground over to Impact Wrestling. But I think it also was helpful because Lucha Underground is not a weekly produced television show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Their seasons are already taped, yeah. and they're just pumping out the show now. With Impact, all of these guys are kind of – I mean they show up for about a month. They do four weeks of TV, and then they go do their indie stuff. With that being said – I think that's why it works. If it was something where it's like Lucha Underground was live every week, Impact was live every week, then I think I, I would kind of get what you're saying. But I also think there is, I do, you do have a point, there is a lot of unsigned talent, but then I also, you have to also understand that the names that they're getting from Lucha Underground, Morrison, well, Hennigan, Penta, Phoenix, uh, Brian Cage, they're not taking the little names. They're taking the big names. All right, well, that's my question. Yeah. But I do like the sharing of talent as well because I like the fact that I can see somebody who's wrestling somewhere else, wrestling on Impact Wrestling, and be recognized as wrestling for that company and stuff like that. I think that's something that I've always kind of like disliked about the WWE is that when they come to the WWE, they kind of act like this. You know, they've been in other places, but they don't recognize other places yeah, by name. That's true. And I like I like that. You know, when you when you're able to see a Brian Cage and they'll say, Oh, that guy has wrestled in AAA in Mexico or that guy has wrestled in this place. I like what Impact is doing and the way that it's doing business where it's like, listen, we're gonna recognize the Indies, we're gonna recognize all these companies, we're gonna do all this stuff, and we're gonna share talent, and that's how we get bigger. Oh yeah, hope so. You know, you wanna open doors, that's the whole thing. That's true. Getting some ratings. This week's Raw to a 2.886 million, which is up 16% from last week's 2.47 million. Last week, I don't know if you listened, was a new historic all-time low for Raw. So it bounced back pretty good. Raw was number seven in the night for viewership behind the Home Run Derby on ESPN, Rachel Maddow, Last Word, and Fox News. Raw was number two in the night between the 18 to 49 demographic behind the Home Run Derby. SmackDown this week drew a 2.293 million, which is up from last week's 2.183 million. So both shows are up. Love hearing that. SmackDown was number six in viewership for the night behind. Rachel Maddow, The Last Word, and Fox News. SmackDown, however, was number one in 18 to 49 demographic. Impact this week drew a 275,000, which is down from last week's 284. Last week, Impact ranked 110 in the cable top 150. This week was 125. So Impact took a hit for some weird, weird reason. It's because it's on Pop TV and not on a major cable now. Well, that's a different story for a different day, yeah. Let's go home yeah. thoughts. Well, I'm about to do something I've never done before. For the first time ever, your boy at Michael J. Party is going to order his first Impact pay-per-view. You're ordering Slammiversary. Very interesting. Um, I'm very proud of you, Mr. Putty. I will say, very proud of you. You know, you. I remember, like I said, being in the studio and you, you know, us having that conversation, you being the WWE purist, and I feel Absolutely. like I may have, I feel like I may have, you know, changed that a little bit. I'll give you that credit. But when uh, I order this, what will I be watching? I'll be watching Tessa Blanchard versus Allie, Eddie Edwards versus Tommy Dreamer in a House of Hardcore Rules match, Phoenix, Johnny Impact, Rich Swan, and uh, what's what's his name? Tai Taiji Taiji Ishimori. I, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Taiji Ishimori. Perfect. Thank you so much. That's why you're here. Otherwise known as the Bone Soldier in New Japan. Bone Shoulder. That's it. Thank you. However, Rich Swan was injured at this week's Major League Wrestling Battle Riot event. He was taken to the hospital with a concussion, a bad concussion. Impact is following this closely, and they have a backup plan just in case. So we'll see if Rich Juan will even be at Slammiversary. 
The current LAX Santana and Ortiz with Conan will go against the original LAX, now called the OGs, Hernandez and Homicide with King, in a 51-50 street fight. That's just a regular street fight, right? There's no, like, there's no... Yeah. Okay. Pentagon Jr. for Sammy Callahan in a mask versus hair match. Talk about when it was announced. Let me get your opinion. This is an easy, easy match for Sammy Callahan to accept because he loses his hair. He loses nothing. Pentagon Jr. loses his mask. He loses his identity. This is, this exactly. is, a, this, this is a stupid match. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a ridiculous stipulation well, in Sammy my Cal- opinion. But... Half of Sammy Callahan's hair is already gone. Exactly. We have Sue Young going against Madison Rain for the Knockouts Championship. Matt Seidel versus Brian Cage for the X Division Championship. And in your main event, Austin Aries versus Moose for the Impact World Championship. Top to bottom, good card. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm oh, actually it's excited. It's a great about card, top to bottom. And everything has a great story attached to it. Yeah, something we've been missing on WWE lately. Uh, everything has a great yeah. story attached to it. That is a great card. That is a well worth the $40 you're spending for it. <clears throat> wrap up on my side let's see while i'm here in north carolina i will be and we spoke about this earlier uh this week actually uh this sunday night uh in charlotte north carolina i will be you're allowed to go woo when i say charlotte woo. <laughs> in charlotte north carolina i'll be attending the uh pwx versus fest wrestling uh, uh wrestling event where pwx a local indie company here in charlotte north carolina woo. Uh, we'll be facing off against the wrestlers from Fest Wrestling, a wrestling company in Florida. Uh, so I'll be there doing some networking for BCW and also enjoying a great show. Uh, then next week, I will be attending Raleigh SuperCon, which is kind of the North Carolina Raleigh's version of Comic-Con, where I will be meeting, uh, much to Michael J. Putty's dismay and mm-hmm. ire, I will be meeting with uh, WWE superstars, well, former superstars, Rey Mysterio and Trish Stratus. Uh, I will also be attending Queens of Combat, which Michael J. Putty will be featuring none other than BCW's own Faye Jackson. Son of a bitch. You're just digging that knife deeper. Uh, <laughs> I will be attending the Queens of Combat show, which will be live at Raleigh Supercon on Friday night. Uh, and then on Sunday, after attending the second day of Supercon, because I will not be going on Saturday, on Sunday I will be driving to, Char- uh, to Winston-Salem. North Carolina, where I will be attending the AML versus Impact Wrestling's confrontation. So a great weekend of, in, of independent wrestling while I'm down here. Raleigh SuperCon, where I'll meet Trish and Rey Mysterio. All around great. I'll be attending three indie events while I'm down here. So I guess that's all good for a vacation, don't you think, Michael J. Putty? Absolutely. And uh, plug your social media so people can follow your story. And- well, Don Juan4087 on Instagram. Pete Rosado87 on Twitter, and as always, you can follow and should be following BCW Wrestling on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribing on Fight TV, September 7th, our next event. If you haven't already caught it, catch Red, White, and Bruised on Fight TV. And like we said, in September, we run the day right before Shine 53, and you never know who might show up from Shine Wrestling at BCW Wrestling the night before. Putty, I'm gearing up for a great August. A great end of July and a great beginning of September, man. As am I. Sounds great because you're gearing up for your September show. We're gearing up for Boardwalk Beatdown in Atlantic City. Who's not coming to Boardwalk Beatdown? We have our own booth. So if you want to meet James Ellsworth, look up the uh, A Shot of Wrestling booth because he's going to be there signing autographs. And you know, uh, Michael J. Putty will be giving autographs as well. I'm, sure. I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad that WWE didn't pull them from you guys. Yeah, me too. We were wondering that, but he's not under contract, so we got him, and we're excited about that. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was very happy. I was very worried for you guys. Uh, but thankfully, not under contract. So James Ellsworth will be at the Shadow Wrestling booth. And if you are not checking out the Shadow Wrestling booth, you are missing out, ladies and gentlemen. If you are not following Shadow Wrestling, if you're not listening to a Shadow Wrestling, what are you doing with your life? Well said. I mean, not only James Ellsworth, you got Victoria, you got the Bullet Club, Sting, Goldberg. I mean, I could go on, but I'm not going to. I think it's enough. No, I think everybody's going to be in Atlantic City that weekend. You, you yourself? Know, it's gonna be, it's, you going to be there? I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of taking the drive down. I mean, listen, James Ellsworth, Michael J. Putty, and Green Man in a booth, you, you're kind of going to need me there to keep everybody I mean, in line. Also, BCW is going to be there. You have a, you have, yeah. You have, you have a small representative for BCW, so uh, what's BCW without yeah. Pete Rosado? This is true. This is true. I mean, I'm going to have to be there. The voice of, B- of Brie Combination Wrestling will have to be there. But I may have to wander over to that shot of wrestling booth because, like I said, I mean, I will tell you this. I'm here in North Carolina, and I brought a lot of a lot of shorts because it's really, really hot out here. And I brought a lot of, like, nice little uh, summer shirts and stuff like that. But there is only one, only one black T-shirt that I am rocking here in North Carolina regardless of the heat. And that is my very own Shot of Wrestling t-shirt. I have to find my way over to the Shot of Wrestling uh, booth and hang out with the guys because, listen, if there's one, if there's, if there's one thing more, more stable of a relationship than me and my ex-girlfriends, it's a PCW <laughs> and a Shot of Wrestling. You know what? Well put. That's <laughs> all coming up. It's the end of August, so it's time to get your tickets, make your travel arrangements. And you get to see the Bullet Club right before All In. That's true. The full bullet club's going to be there. So, oh, I mean, everyone's going to be there. I think. Listen, you may want to stay far, far away because a war might break out between the bullet club because the bullet club is not fine. No, they're not. I it think it's not like, fine. It's an infinity war. Is it civil war? I'm losing my Avengers reference here. It's civil war. Yeah, but I'm hoping Brandy Rhodes is going to be there. That's all I care about. Oh, listen, Brandy Rhodes is is. Uh, there's an acronym that we have for Brandy Rhodes. It's called uh, HQC. Which stands for. High quality chocolate. <laughs> I mean, well said. You had, what do you move on? How do you move on from that? You don't. <laughs> we do move on, you however. Actually, you know there is a way to move on from that, Mister Putty. Here's what we're gonna do. Right before we go off the air, I'm gonna say it for all the world to hear. I actually have a present for you, good sir. So I will be bringing it to you when I return to New York. Shut up. What is it? Give me a hint. Give me a hint. You'll. F- Listen, how am I going to bury the lead? You'll find out when we get to New York, and you'll find Damn. out on a later episode of A Shot of Wrestling. How you do it, folks. I, I look Take forward to it. get them ratings. So, this week, we had a great interview, a hard-fought interview with Masada. How do you top Masada? Well, Green Man has an interview next week. Let's find out right now who it is. This is the Moonlight Sun, Mike Skyros, and next week, you'll be able to hear me on a shot of wrestling. Mike Skyros. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, Mike Skyros, the Moonlight Sun, who made a great debut in, in, in BCW uh, two shows ago. And when he faced Ace Andrews, and I can tell you this much, that is not the last you will see of Mike Skyros in BCW. Heard it here, folks. Great show tonight. Thanks, for Pete, for uh, coming on via Skype. Thanks for t- taking time out of your vacation. Hey, for shot of wrestling, I would do it. We appreciate that. Once again, hit up your social media accounts. Uh, it is Pete Rosado 87 on Twitter. It is, uh, and by the way, I changed it because of you, because you said no one would be able to spell ubiquitous. That was right. <laughs> Pete Rosado 87 on Twitter. As always, Don Juan 4087 on Instagram, Pete Rosado on Facebook and BCW wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, 
and Twitter. Make sure you're following us all over social media and, of course, subscribing on Fight TV. Make sure you check out Fight TV to hear Green Man on commentary for this past red, white, and bruised. Pirazzato gave him a stamp of approval. And you do not want to miss Green Man being used as a weapon during the Monster Ball match. So uh, for Green Man, Pirazzato, for Masada, I have been your host at Michael J. Party. Until next week, take care of yourselves and each other. Party out. All right, we've made it to my favorite part of the episode. It's last call. We still got Masada here with us. So Masada, this is pretty much how it works. I ask you the question. The first thing that comes to your mind is the first thing you should answer. Are you ready? Yes, let's go. And away we go. What is your favorite adult beverage? Ice House. Other than wrestling, what is your favorite sport? Uh, MMA. If on death row, what would you request as your final meal? Nothing. Get it over with. Oh. <laughs> or like death row, just get it over with. <laughs> Are you an ass man or a tits man? No comment. <laughs> uh, who has been your toughest opponent? Uh, that's a coin flip between Jinkasai, Danny Havoc, Necro Butcher, Nick Gage. I mean, there's too many to even list off. Wow. Nice long list, though, already. Um, where's yeah. the shittiest place you ever wrestled? Puerto Rico. And finally, who paid better, WWE, TNA, or Ring of Honor? <laughs> I'd say neither, but WWE, actually. Okay. Good to know. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Last Call with Masada. Thank you so much for not killing me, and I'll see you around, <laughs> brother. I'll see you. Take care. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby. But I got you pinned. Ha 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>